Well, welcome to Emmanuel Church. How are you feeling today? Pretty good? We've got some beautiful weather out there today, and I'm so thankful for that. Hey, if you're a guest with us here today, my name is Danny, and uh, we've been praying for you, planning for you, and preparing for you. We hope that your experience thus far has been a good one. We've got some free coffee for you out there, and uh, just want you to feel at home if you're a guest with us here today. Thank you for taking someone's invitation and, um, and just coming, uh, coming with them. So we, we love to have you here today. And, and so if you're a regular attender, we are wrapping up a series today called Drifting. It's been a three-week series, and what we've said in this series so far, in week number one and week number two, is that most people are simply drifting through life. And what we said that means is that they really have no target or no plan or, or no real objective with their life. And we said that what it looks like to drift in your life is basically to have no clarity about the future, to, to be waiting for something to happen to you and hoping that Whatever happens next is something that you like, right? And people who are drifting, they have no plan with their life. They're bored. Oftentimes, they're unmotivated and even frustrated. And I'm not simply talking about people who are lazy, okay? I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about people who can't get a job. I'm not talking about that. I mean, you, you can have a job and you can be very productive and even make significant money and still be drifting through life, these people really don't know what they believe about life. They really don't know what they believe about themselves. They really don't have any real core convictions. If you ask them some hard questions about life, they realize, I don't really know, and I'm not really sure. And if you ask them what the next five years of their life look like or, or where they're going to be in the next ten years, they really couldn't give you an answer about where they're headed with their life. They're just simply going with the flow and wherever the stream takes them. We said, if that's where you're at in life, you can live a better story. You can change directions with your life. And the way that you do that is by creating a vision with your life. We said in week number one that everything is created twice, right? There's the mental creation or the first creation, and then there's the physical creation. This is how people build homes and build buildings. They first put out a blueprint, and when the blueprint is finished, then they put shovels in the ground and they start moving dirt. Well, the same thing is true for our life, but where do we find the blueprint for our life? Where do we find the vision of what God has called us to do? And what we said in this series is that we have to look into the Word of God. We have to, we have to see what God values, and then we, what we have to do is align our lives with what He says in most, is most important. And so last week, Matt talked about how God values Himself, God values values his relationship with us, and he challenged you to align your life with that truth. Didn't Matt do a good job last week? Appreciate Matt so much. <clears throat> so today what I want to do is simply look back into the Word of God and see what is it, God, that you value. And, and when we discover what he values, then we align our lives with that, and that is how we avoid a life of just simply drifting through life. And so in your notes there, for your note taker, we avoid drifting here, well, watch this, by valuing people. What we discover when we open up the Bible, what we discover when we look into God's word is that God values people. What we discover immediately, in fact, in the first book of the Bible, in Genesis chapter 1, we find out that God made people, individual people, in his Image. Check it out. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, let us make mankind, both male and female, in our image, in our likeness. What does that mean? 
It simply means that God created you in a similar, to be similar to him, not the same as, we're not gods, okay? We're, we're created in his likeness. What that means is that we have a mind, we have a will, we have emotions, we have desires, we have appetites, we, have, we are creators, we can create things and build things. All of those same things are true about God. Every single human being you ever lay eyes on or will lay eyes on, is created in the image of God. Now, this is not true with animals. This is not true with giraffes, zebras. This is not, certainly not true for cats. <laughs> the discussion about whether or not this is true for dogs is still up in the air, okay? <laughs> you ever look into your dog's eyes and you, you, you see, I swear sometimes I see a soul that just loves unconditionally, which is Jesus, right? No. Okay, just, I'm just joking, just joking, a little. Anyway, no matter how much we want our animals to, to be, our pets to be, you know, eternal, they're, they're not, they're not. Human beings alone are created in the image and in the likeness of God. I'm not saying God doesn't value animals. I'm not saying God doesn't value insects and trees and all these other different things. I think he does. He created them. But there's something different about you and I. We are made in his image and his likeness. We're also eternal. What does that mean? Eternal. That means that every single human being you will ever lay, eye, lay eyes on will live forever. Dallas Willard said it this way. He said, you are a spiritual being with an eternal destiny in God's great universe. That's worth remembering. You are a spiritual being with an eternal destiny in God's great universe. Right now you happen to have a body. One day your spirit will depart from your body, and then one day, if you're a Christ follower, your body and your spirit will be reunited. But you are a spiritual being having a physical experience that has an eternal destiny in God's great universe. Now, we hope, we hope, and the hope of this church, and the reason why this church exists, is to help you have an eternal existence in the kingdom of God instead of the other place. I don't think anybody else wants to go to the other place. Am I right? And so we're here to help our loved ones and our family members. In fact, the way we say it is we're on a relentless pursuit to help people who are far from God find in a relationship with Jesus Christ so that they can spend eternity with him in the kingdom of God forever. People are incredibly valuable to God. And so when we open the Bible, we see, we see this very clearly in Matthew chapter 22. The first commandment Matt talked about last week, he said, you got to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. That's the number one thing. And we adjust our life around that, right? God is number one, and we need to prioritize him. And then Jesus says the second commandment is sort of like it. He says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, how do I love myself? How do you love yourself? Well, I don't know about you, but here's what I do for myself. I, this morning, I got up, and I made myself a cup of coffee just the way I like it. Anybody else do that? Coffee drinkers, right? I, I, I made sure that I, that I took a shower and I was clean and I took care of myself. And then I even ate some breakfast because my stomach was kind of letting me know I was hungry. And I, basically, the way I love myself is I take care of myself. Jesus says, here's what I want you to do. In the same way that you take care of yourself, you do what's best for yourself, I want you to do that for your, say it with me, neighbor. People are extraordinarily valuable to God. And then he says this incredible statement, which we really don't focus on too much. But he says, on these two commandments, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments, not three, because it's intuitive to love yourself. Did you ever catch that? 
People often think there's three commandments. No, there's only two. We don't have to be taught to love ourselves. We'll get to that in a minute. On these two commandments depend all the law of the prophets. What does that mean? There was like over 600 laws. There were the Ten Commandments, and there were all these other hundreds and hundreds of laws. All of them given so that we would treat each other well. So that the Israelites would treat each other well. Jesus is saying, look, if you could just get the first and the second one right, you don't have to worry about following the other 600-some laws because you will always do right by your neighbor. You won't steal their ox or steal their spouse or their money or covet their things or become jealous. And all the other commandments deal with a lot of this other stuff. You won't disrespect your mother and your father. You won't steal from somebody because... You are simply loving your neighbor. And Paul says it this way in Romans 13. He says, love does no harm. Love does not steal, does not covet, does not commit adultery with someone who's not their spouse, right? Love doesn't do those things. So therefore, watch this, love is the fulfillment of the law. He's basically quoting Jesus in a different way. You don't have to worry about all the other rules and regulations because if you simply love your neighbor, you're going to do right by your neighbor, And when you're doing right by your neighbor, you're fulfilling all the other laws and all the other commandments. Isn't that wonderful? God puts supreme value on other people. You and I will avoid a life of drifting if we put the focus on other people. Why is it so hard to love other people? I mean, you turn the news on and you see people all across the world hurting each other, killing each other. Locally here in our own you know, neighborhoods, we see people stealing from each other and hurting each other. And why is it so hard for families to get along? <clears throat> why is it so hard for people to get along? There's lots of reasons. I think people uh, are mean. <laughs> people are rude, can be at times. And it's hard to love somebody who's mean and rude. You agree? Yes? So it's hard to, like, you know, do no harm to somebody who's doing lots of harm. You ever notice that? But that's another sermon for another day. And if I take that route, I'll kind of be letting you, letting you off the hook a little bit, and I don't want to do that in church. I want you to own this. I want you to own the responsibility of loving your neighbor. I think the big, one of the biggest reasons why it's so hard to do right by the person in your house, the person in your office, the person on the road, <laughs> is because we're selfish. I think that's the reason. Yeah, sure, they do lots of stuff, and people do lots of crazy stuff. But I think at the end of the day, the core of the whole issue is that you and I are focused on ourselves. And that's why it's so hard to do right by our neighbor. I mean, if you look at what Jesus said, he said, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Nobody has to teach you how to love yourself, because by nature, it's natural to take care of you. Isn't that that true? I think we're focused on ourselves. In fact, when you open up the Bible and you do some reading, and what you see is that in Philippians chapter 2, verse 4, Paul has to tell adults. I know there's some teenagers and middle school students here, but this verse is for adults. Watch this. Let each of you look not only to your own toys, (laughs) your own stomachs, your own desires, your own interests, your own extracurricular activities, your golfing and your shopping and your... (laughs) Let each of you not look to your own interests, but also the interest. It's amazing. Can you believe the Bible has to tell us this? 
Like, it's almost a little bit embarrassing, but it's so true. So true. You know, right now we're in the NBA playoffs. NBA championship. It's a big deal. Some of you are like, what? What's that? You need to get a life. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Can't say that in church. Some things pass through my mind and I need, they need to be left unsaid. Anyway, um, so it's kind of a big deal for us in our home. And, and the, there's a good TV in our house and then there's a not so good TV in our house. Anybody else have this experience? And because of the NBA playoffs, it's such a big deal. We, I, I get the good TV. It's like not even a, it's not even a question. And so if my wife and my daughter want to watch some girly thing, you know, which there's a lot of girly stuff out. I'm learning more and more about all the girly stuff out there. Some of it's decent. They get banished to the basement. It's not even a question because the NBA playoffs are on the main TV. Listen, this is, this is, this is my issue right here. This is my, the other, the other day, we have a K, we have a Keurig in our home. Uh, this is so embarrassing to say this, but this is how I roll sometimes. It's embarrassing. And you, we have a little K-cup thing that you fill with coffee grinds. And, and I'm always, usually the first person up, so I, f- I take care of me. I fill it, and I empty it. And then I try to take care of her and fill it for her and get it ready for her. But she always forgets to empty it. So the next morning, I have to empty her grinds. <laughs> and so I'm like, honey, could you just, I mean, I even fill it for you. All you have to do is empty it. Oh, I'm sorry, I forget. I ask her again, you know, because I just, it bothers me, because why? I'm, I, I'm worried about me. She's putting me out. <laughs> so embarrassing to say that, but that's real life stuff, right? You have stuff in your house, like, why does he do that? Why does she do that? Paul has to tell us, he shortens it up in 1 Corinthians 10, watch this. Let no one seek his own good. He just tells you, stop seeking your own good, but the good of his neighbor. Like, we adults, we got to hear that. Some of you are like, I'm not so selfish. Okay. Let me go through a little bit of a list here. If you're a nagger, you may be selfish. Any naggers in the crowd? And the reason you nag is because why? Someone's not doing it your way. If you get nagged, you're probably selfish. Why, why are you getting nagged? Because you ain't listening. <laughs> if you're a control freak, you're probably selfish because it's got to be done your way. If you manipulate, if you have a hard time being on a team, oh, I like to work alone, really? You're probably selfish. If you give your kid a weird name like Rebel, or Echo, or Messiah, these are real names given in 2014. Seven. Come here, seven. <laughs> these are real names. Beautiful, Temperance, Cotton, Jetson. This is my favorite, Jedi. (laughs) Real names given to real children. Tell me that's not selfish. My king, legendary. These names got rejected for real. They got rejected in a court of law. This one got rejected. Princess, Nutella got rejected. (laughs) Strawberry got rejected. People are crazy, you know? I think you're selfish when you don't use your turning signal. I really do. I think, I think you're selfish. Yeah, see? Gotcha. 
So oh, I'm not so selfish. Well, how? Well, now what do you think? You know, I think you're selfish when you don't brush your teeth. There you go. How about that one? The problem, the, the reason it's so hard to do right by our neighbors is because we're thinking about ourselves. You know, you think with me for a second about the people that are just esteemed so highly in our world. Valued above the artists and the, and the singers and the, the people who can hit a ball, punch a ball, kick a ball, throw a ball, swing a, hit a ball. You know, I'm talking about like Billy Graham or Mother Teresa or Martin Luther King Jr. I mean, these people have, have ascended to this level of admiration that is just almost godlike. How did they get there? Isn't it because they dedicated their life to blessing other people? Isn't that true? Like, it's not because of their money or their talents or their skills or what they did. It's because of the impact that they had in the lives of others. See, in your notes, this is how I wrote it. Your life grows in significance as you help other people. That's just how we live a significant life. When we go beyond us. Why is it that Bill Gates, who, you know, who had this incredible career, is now pouring his life into trying to, you know, eradicate diseases and give away billions and billions and billions. Because he understands if he wants to get beyond this level of, look how rich I am, if he wants to get to the level where his life is significant, he has to actually help people. Same thing with Warren Buffett. Why is Warren Buffett giving away billions and billions and billions of dollars to different organizations that help people? Because he knows that there's a, there's a level of success that you can reach because you have success and wealth and money. But if you want to get to the level of significance, you have to be a blessing to people. I, Robert Schuler said it best. He said this, anybody who succeeds in helping people, uh, anybody who succeeds is helping people. The secret to success is to find a need and fill it, find a hurt and heal it, find a problem and solve it. In other words, if you and I want to discover the blueprint for our life, if we want to make the impact that God has created us to make, according to Ephesians 2.10, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works that he has prepared in advance for us to do. Wow. If we want to discover that and live in that and fulfill those good works, we have to make it the objective of our life to be a blessing to other people. So how do we do that? Really quick. Four quick ways. Let's get down to you know, where the rubber meets the road here. Number one, start where you are. Start where you are. I'm a huge proponent of going on mission trips. I really am. I think that everybody should go. I've been to Haiti. I've been to Nicaragua. I've been to Colombia. The couple of organizations. I haven't been to Africa yet, but we also have a ministry in Africa we partner with, Africa New Life. I think everybody should go. And when you go, you end up being a blessing to the people that are there. But here's what I want to say. Here's what I want to say. You don't have to go to Colombia or Nicaragua or Haiti or even Africa to be a blessing. Now, I think everybody should go at least one time. But you can actually start where you are. Like, I believe that God has perfectly positioned people in your life right where you are, at the coffee shop, at Target, you know, wherever you find yourself, at a concert. I believe God has perfectly positioned people in your life for you to bless right here. I want you to check out this short video of a guy named Brendan. He blessed a lady named Jackie who is homeless. Check out, her, check out his story. Isn't that incredible? <laughs> Love that story. Now, that was about five years ago, so don't go to that link and try to give to give to because that's not, that link is no longer uh, a real link. But uh, I love the story of being homeless in, in a subway station to having her own place because one person decided to make a difference where he was. Start where you are. Number two, give what you have. God doesn't expect us to give what we don't have. 
There's a lot of people in our world today that can stroke a check for $100,000 and change somebody's life forever or $10,000 or even bigger, a million dollars. A lot of people like that. And sometimes I, I get the feeling like, man, I really can't do that. And so what can I really do? And how can I really help people? And here's what God said to me. He says, well, what do you have? Do you have $10? Do you have $100? You might not have $10,000 at this point, but can you bless a, a family with $50 or $100? Well, maybe, maybe the whole money thing gets, is kind of awkward for you. What about, what about time? We all have the same amount of time. Why is it that some people choose to use a portion of their time and dedicate it to alleviating somebody's pain or problem or issue? They just made a decision. Instead of spending hour after hour after hour, you know, maybe on social media or Facebook or scrolling on Pinterest or whatever, or spending extra time at work or playing video games or however you choose to waste time. Maybe it's television. Instead of wasting all of that time, what if you just decide, you know what, I'm going to use some of my time to, to volunteer and be a blessing to other people. Maybe, maybe it's not money, maybe it's time, or maybe, maybe it's just words. I have words. Sometimes I talk too much, but I love words. Proverbs 18.21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. All right? Look at what Proverbs 12.25 says. Anxiety weighs down the heart. Some of you walked in today with a heavy heart because you got a lot of anxiety. Watch this. But a kind word cheers it up. That's the power of words. You can make it. Hang in there. Don't give up. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Stay focused. Powerful words. Last night before the 5.30 service, I walked in here before the service, and a friend of mine was down front over here, and, and I wasn't necessarily down or discouraged, <clears throat> but he called me over, and I went over to him, and he just looked me in the eye, and he said, hey, I want to thank you for such and such and such and such, and he went, he went on and named a few things, and he just said, I really appreciate you, and right, that was right before my, you know, right before the service. Man, that just lifted my heart, lifted my spirit. I love what... Truett Cathy, the founder of Chick-fil-A, said, I love this, and he said, how do you know when someone needs encouragement? If they're breathing. Now, a friend of mine, his name Rick, he, he knew Truett Cathy, and he knew Truett Cathy, how Truett Cathy kind of did things uh, and how he would talk, and he said, the way Truett would say this to his managers and his team, and he used this quote, he would, he would gather up his team around him, and he would look him in the eye and says, do you know when people need encouragement? Do you know? Do you know? Do you know when a person needs encouragement? You know, and everybody's looking at Truett, the founder of Chick-fil-A, you know, billionaire, and they're like, they don't know what to say, and, and he'd say, when they're breathing. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Every single one of us needs encouragement, and you have words you have the power to look at someone and say, hang in there, stay the course, you're important to me, you're beautiful, you look great in that dress, whatever, right? What do you give what you have, not what you don't have? Number three, join others who are doing great work. I love this one because it, it, it alleviates the pressure of having to create, recreate the wheel. Some of us think that if we're going to make a difference in someone's life, we have to come up with this great, ingenious idea. We have to create something new. No, you don't. Whatever it is that you, however you want to help someone, there's already an organization that has been created that's doing that very thing. All you have to do is join them. 
A couple of weeks ago, we, just, we, we, uh, we partnered up with an organization called Pack Away Hunger. Right now, Emmanuel's working on a partnership with, with this organization. But uh, about two and a half weeks ago, on a Wednesday night, we had over 50 people partner up with this, this ministry, and they packed over 5,000 meals for hungry children all over the world. Here's a picture of the crew from Emmanuel that did that. Isn't that awesome? Love that. <clears throat> See, you say, man, I want to help hungry kids. Well, there's an organization called Pack Away Hungry, uh, Hunger, and all you got to do is partner with them. We have other organizations right here that in, in our local area. The Refuge is a great ministry that we partner with right here that blesses families on the, on the practical side of things with, with finances and food and clothing and also on the spiritual side of things, The Refuge. Another one is you're, you may be familiar with is, is called Shepherd Community. We partner with them. They're a ministry that, uh, that blesses children. Uh, downtown Indianapolis, and they do many other things as well, but we, we basically do, every year we do a project with them. We pack away hundreds of boxes of food for the children in the, Indi- in the downtown Indianapolis area so that they can eat meals over the Christmas break. Many of them would not otherwise eat over the Christmas break if we didn't pack those boxes. We do that every single year, and so they're a great organization that, that just blesses children practically and spiritually. There are other uh, organizations we partner with. If you go to myeclife.org slash serve, obviously we are an organization, so you can partner with us. But then you can, there's also ministries in the, in the community and in the world that you can check out if you go to eclife.org slash serve. Join others. You don't have to recreate the wheel. Let me give you this last one. Do one thing for another person every day. Love this one. Do one thing for another person every single day. This case basically gets you into the mindset of serving others and being a blessing to others. Recently, I came across a book called A Simple Act of Gratitude by John Kralik. I learned about him through a podcast called The Learning Leader, which is a pretty cool podcast. And uh, on, the, on the podcast, he basically talks about how the book and, and how in 2007, he was really going down. His law firm was going down. Um, people weren't paying on time. He couldn't pay his staff. He was 50 pounds overweight. He was working on his second divorce. His two children from his first marriage were drifting apart from him. And there just wasn't anything good going on in his life. And one day he took a walk out into the woods and just tried to get some clarity of, on his life and what was going wrong and why was it spiraling out of control. And what he says in the book, and it's not really a spiritual book. It's not that it's a non-spiritual book, but he writes that, he, he heard a voice. The voice said this, until you learn to be grateful for the things you have, you will not receive the things that you want. And he said that he remembered his grandfather <clears throat> when he was five years old. His grandfather was a very successful stockbroker type of a guy, real estate guy. His grandfather came to him and gave him a silver dollar, a real silver dollar, and he said, John, if you write me a thank you note, I will give you another silver dollar. And so John, at five years old, wrote his grandfather a a thank you note for the silver dollar. Sure enough, his father gave him the second silver dollar. But in the book, he talks about how, he said, he doesn't remember if it was the fact that he was five years old and he really didn't understand the value of a silver dollar and the fact that his mom actually took the silver dollar and put it into a bank account so he, he didn't have it in his hands anymore. But he never wrote the second thank you note. And he, he writes about how the, that his grandfather was the, the type of person that if he would have kept writing thank you notes, he would have kept sending silver dollars. And so he put that together, that lesson there, that, that man, if you show appreciation, you're going to get something f- from it in return. You know, so you give what you get, right? 
And he put that together with the voice that he heard in the woods that day. And he made a decision. And this is what the book is all about. He made a decision to write a thank you note every day for an entire year. He wrote 365 thank you notes. And the book is about how slowly with each thank you note, things started to turn around for him. People started to pay their bills. Financially, there was gain. His friendship started to turn around because he started to show appreciation for his friends. He lost the weight. He found more peace inside. Sure enough, after a year and a half, he was promoted to a position in the Los Angeles Superior Court as a judge. Isn't that crazy? And he he attributes the whole thing from just simply doing something for someone else every day. In the book, he talks about how it totally changes your mindset. It's not even a Christian book. It just gets your mind focused off of your own problems and on how other people have been a blessing to you. Do one thing every day for another person. Truett Cathy, founder of Chick-fil-A, and again, I'm not, this is not a Truett Cathy talk, or I don't know, he just said some really good stuff, and this is what he said. Nearly every moment of every day, we have the opportunity to give something to someone else. You think about that. We do, that's absolutely true. Nearly every moment of every day, we have the shot, the chance. Even if it's just a kind word, hey, even if it's just a smile, that can change somebody's day every single day. Here's how Jesus said in Acts 20, verse 35, 25, sorry, 35. It is more blessed to give than it is to receive. It's just a way of life. It is, you, you, the evidence, the scientific evidence is out there. The studies have been done. People who are happier are the people who are blessing other people, instead of living for yourself all the time, which is what our culture preaches. Isn't it what our culture preaches? If we're going to live this way, we actually, actually, we have to go against the current of our culture. If we want to avoid a life of simply drifting through life, we have to make it the objective of our life to bless other people. You can start where you are, give what you have, join others who are doing great work, and do something every single day to bless somebody else. And that is how you will avoid a life of drifting. God values people. Does he not? Yes or no? He values people. So let me close with this question. I love for you to wrestle with questions for the week. Will you become a person who values others? <clears throat> That's my choice. That's your choice. I did it this morning. I'm not bragging. I'm pathetic at it. I should do more. But I just sat back and I thought, you know, who's in my life right now that just is doing, doing great work and they're in my life and they could use a little encouraging note. So this morning I, again, I'm not great at this, but I just got a pen and I wrote a little thank you note to this person. And of course I, I put a, a Starbucks card in there because that really makes it better, doesn't it? And I just said, jotted a few words that were from my heart to this person and I gave it to them. You know, and, and so I'm done for today, so don't, I'm, I'm not gonna do anything else good for anybody today. <laughs> I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. But, but you know what it did for me this morning? It just, it just, just shifted, you know, some of the, just, oh man, what's going on in her life? And she could really use some encouragement or whatever. Just puts you in a different mindset. And so that's what I'm not, I don't know if I'm gonna do 365, probably not, but I'm gonna just gonna try to do something for everybody every day because it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. You have to make that same choice. What kind of person are you gonna be? Are you gonna be a person who's focused on yourself or a person who's gonna be focused on others?
Now let me close by sharing some of my favorite ideas with you. Some of the most important ideas in the world. Some of you walked in here today and you need to hear this message. We have a a God, we have a, a Savior who lived this stuff out. Like the Bible actually says that that God demonstrated his love for us, that while we were sinners, while we had our backs turned on him, he died for us. God revealed and proved his love to you and I by dying on the cross. Jesus actually said it this way in John 15. There's no greater love, and there's no better way I could have revealed my love to you than to lay down my life for you. Jesus Christ, 2,000 years ago, spread out his arms on a cross and allowed himself to be nailed to the cross. Even though he was sinless, even though he was spotless. And he did that because you couldn't pay for your own sins. He had to pay for them. So he steps into your place. He gives himself as a sacrifice so that you can be forgiven, so that you can have eternal life and abundant life. And he did it because he loves you. Let that sink in. He loves you. Will you step into that love? Will you receive Christ's sacrifice on the cross today? Will you allow him to wash you of all your sin and shame, put you on a different track, put put your life on a different direction? See, you know your life is not on the right direction. You know it. You know you need a change. Right now is the time where you decide, I'm going to go a different direction. I'm going to start to follow Christ and his will. If that's where you're at right now, will you bow your head and close your eyes with me in this very special, very holy moment between you and God? Express your faith to him through this prayer. He's listening. Say this. Dear Jesus, I trust you today. I see that you love me. You proved it by laying down your life for me by dying in my place so that I could be forgiven washed cleansed so that I could have life eternal life abundant life thank you for your grace thank you for your forgiveness from this day forward help me to follow your path to become a person who blesses other people and give you all the praise. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. If you just prayed that prayer, our church would like to give you a free resource. It's called a one-year New Testament, and it's basically a copy of a portion of the Bible. Um, and we would love for you to grab one of these on the way out. There's my son, got some friends over there that will hand you one and some friends over here that will hand you one. On your way out, if you're in the balcony, you just come on down and uh, you can grab one of these. And we want you to take it and we want you to begin reading it. We believe with all of our heart that God speaks to us through his word. Can we give God a hand for what he's done today? Will you become a person? who lives to bless other people. If you do, I promise you, you're going to avoid a life of drifting. You're going to find the blueprint that God has for your life. Why? Because God values people. He values them. They're important to Him. They're made in His image. They will live forever. Will you pray with me?
Father, thank you for the clarity of your word. We look in it, we find what you value. We find what's important to you. We find what's on your heart. Help us to be the type of people that are not focused simply on ourselves, but on all the people who are around us. Help us to start where we are, give what we have, join other organizations that are making a difference, and do something every day to bless somebody else. We'll give you all the praise. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Hey, God bless you. Hey, next week we're starting a brand new series. I promise me you'll be here because you're not going to want to miss it. We're going to be talking about Rocky Balboa. That's all I got to say. That's all I got to say. We'll see you next week.